As I mentioned in our announcements, we're launching a seven-week series titled Encountering Jesus. Each week, we're going to look at these epic stories in the gospel narratives, stories like today, Jesus encountering Nicodemus. Next week, Jesus encountering the Samaritan woman. But what I don't want this series to be is simply a review of what happened in those stories. I want you to see the radical transformation that happens when an individual, whether it be a Pharisee or a woman caught in sin, what happens when they encounter Jesus? And then to go a step further, what might happen in your life if you were to encounter Jesus as well? This morning, as we launch this series, we look at the story of Jesus and Nicodemus as it's found in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. The big idea this morning, you must be born again. As we approach God's word, we actually believe here at Coral Ridge that God is speaking to us. His word is infallible. His word is inerrant. We believe that every single word is the word of God. It is absolutely true. And I pray that you would heed your attention to God as he speaks to us this morning in his word. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This phrase, truly, truly, in some translations, it might be amen and amen. It's significant that all of Jesus' pronouncements begin with amen and not end with an amen. Amen means that this is truth. It is Jesus' way of saying that the words that you are about to hear have authority. There is a weightiness to them. And so he doesn't end with truly, truly. He doesn't end with amen and amen, but he begins. He leads to get their attention that what I'm about to say has authoritative weight and power. Says it 25 times in the Gospel of John. Verse 6. That which is born, I'm sorry, verse 4. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The grass withers, the flower surely fades, but know not the word of God. 
the word of God, it stands forever. One of the greatest miracles is the miracle of birth. I mean, you think of the miracle of birth that there is a baby in the womb And from the moment of conception, the complexities of pregnancy, and then in a moment, the baby goes from the darkness of the womb into the broad daylight of this world. It is a miracle of epic proportions, the miracle of birth. But there is a greater miracle. There is a greater miracle than the miracle of birth. It's the second birth. It's the birth that John talks about here in John chapter 3 that takes you from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. The reason this is the greatest miracle of all, the miracle of being born again, is because it affects your eternity. Your destiny is at stake. Jesus says to him multiple times, Nicodemus, you must be born again. But why? What does it mean to be born again? And how in the world could you and I ever experience it? Let's experience and study the regeneration and the new birth promised by Jesus as it's outlined in this passage. First question I want to answer this morning is why? It's a fair question. He says to Nicodemus twice, you must be born again. But before we answer the why, I think we need to deal with the stigma attached to this phrase, born again. You often hear in our culture that being born again is for the down and out. Being born again is for the immoral. Being born again is for those that have hit rock bottom. You maybe have heard that in our culture. The problem is Jesus is delivering this message to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. A Pharisee didn't need more morality. A Pharisee didn't need to be told that they need to be more obedient. Nicodemus was not struggling with immorality. Nicodemus wasn't struggling with being down and out. He was a leader of leaders. He's, we're told he's a ruler of the Jews, which means he was part of a group called the San- Sanhedrin. They were part of the religious authority in Jerusalem at that time. So he's not immoral, he's not down and out, he has not hit rock bottom, more than likely he is incredibly affluent, he is incredibly influential. And so the story of Nicodemus receiving this message that you must be born again destroys the stereotype of our current culture that to be a born again Christian is just a crutch, or it's just for the down and out, or it's for those that have hit rock bottom. There's nothing about Nicodemus that fits that description. So the question is, why? Why does Nicodemus need to be born again? We're told in verse 2 that Nicodemus comes at night. That's an important detail. Nicodemus, being a ruler of the Jews, wouldn't be caught seen with Jesus in broad daylight. So the darkness represents the secrecy of the moment, coming in the dark of night not wanting to be seen, not wanting to be seen this public exchange between a Pharisee and what Nicodemus thought was simply a rabbi or a prophet from God. But then we get to this exchange, and it's quite peculiar. 
Because do you notice that Nicodemus is coming to Jesus, recognizing him, honoring him as a rabbi, recognizing him as a teacher of God, and more than likely, Nicodemus was simply interested in having a spiritual, intellectual, and philosophical exchange. And Nicodemus comes more than likely just to verify that all of the things that you're teaching, Jesus, line up with scripture. But you notice what Jesus says? He says, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, Jesus, Nicodemus doesn't ask you how to get to heaven. Nicodemus doesn't ask you how you enter the kingdom of God. But what Jesus is doing is brilliant. What Jesus is doing is he is saying, Nicodemus, I know you've come with one agenda, but I come with another. And I love how Jesus just cuts to the chase and goes to the heart of the matter You're coming to me as if I am a rabbi, a teacher of the law, and I am here, Nicodemus, to tell you that you are dead, and the only way you can live is to be born again, to be regenerated by the Spirit. Don't you love how Jesus wrecks our agendas? That we go through life thinking we have a plan, we have an agenda, and what Jesus does, the lesson here, one of the many lessons here, is that Jesus comes into our life and says, not so fast. I have an agenda that is against your agenda. I have something greater and bigger. I have purpose that I have come into this world to accomplish through your life. So Jesus here for Nicodemus rocks his world. And says, Nicodemus, you don't need more morals. Nicodemus, you don't need more laws. Nicodemus, you don't need a self-improvement plan. You need to be saved. Now, this is incredibly offensive. Here is a rabbi coming to a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees. And you can understand why this would have been so offensive. Pharisees prided themselves on the works of the law. They prided themselves in their morality. They prided themselves of being upright citizens of the kingdom of heaven according to their works and their goodness and their righteousness. And it was as offensive for Nicodemus 2,000 years ago as it is offensive today. Because who wants to hear that we can't fix it? Who wants to hear that we can't save ourselves? You see, we are born conditioned to believing that we have the answer and we have the solution and we can fix it. And that's the reason the message of the gospel and the message of Christianity is so offensive. It was offensive 2,000 years ago and it's offensive today because it's wrestling the power away from you and saying God alone can save unless you are born again. The message of Nicodemus is this. Christianity is for the moral and the immoral. It is for the religious and the irreligious. It is for the Pharisee and the upright, outstanding citizen, and it is for the social outcast. The message of Nicodemus is this. You could be a member of Coral Ridge for 30 years and not be going to heaven unless you are born again. If it was true for Nicodemus, it's true for you this morning. Why? you need to be born again. Second question, what does this actually mean? What does it mean to be born again? Being born again is the supernatural work of God by which he regenerates dead people. 
It is the work of regeneration that is solely the work of God. You see, the story of the Bible is that we were alive, created in the image of God in Genesis 1 and 2. But in Genesis chapter 3, we decided to be God. We decided to pretend to play God. We decided that we would be the king, that we would be Lord. And ever since Genesis 3, we have been estranged from God because of our sin, and it brought death and darkness into this world. And so the message of Christianity is that Jesus has come into this world to make us born again, not to turn over a new leaf, but to bring dead people back to life. See, the message of the gospel and the message of the new birth is not that we are sick. It is the message that we are dead. And that except for the grace and the mercy of God, except for the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, we have no hope in this life. This is what it says in verse 5. How does this process happen? Verse 5, it says, truly I tell you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is ascribing what happens at regeneration, what happens at the new birth. Now, commentators are divided by this idea of water and spirit. Some commentators believe that Jesus is describing the two births, uh, that you're born the first time by water, and then you're born a second time by the spirit. I don't think that's consistent with scripture. See, when there's ever a perplexing point in scripture, we have to go to other scripture. Where do we see God using both water and spirit simultaneously to do his work of renewal and restoration? Well, we see it in Ezekiel 36 in the Old Testament. In Ezekiel 36, God is assuring Israel of their future restoration. And this is what he says. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and all from your idols. So what God is saying is that I will make you clean. Just as water cleans away the impurities, I will make you clean from all the impurities of sin and the idols of this world. But God doesn't stop there in Ezekiel. In verse 26, he says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will remove your heart of the stone and will give you a heart of the flesh. You see, water and spirit, Jesus is describing a simultaneous action that the work of regeneration is the cleansing from all impurities and the transformation of a dead heart into a heart of flesh, a heart that is alive. This is the new birth. And the implications are staggering. Do you understand what this means? It means when Paul announces and declares in 2 Corinthians 5 that he is able to now declare because of regeneration that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. It means if you have been born again and made spiritually alive, it means that you have a whole new operating system, new affections, new desires, new agendas, Listen to me, your agenda will send you straight to hell. God's agenda is the only thing that will give you life. A whole new operating system with a new identity because at the end of the day, you will be defined either by your new identity in Christ or the identity of the first birth. 
That is the choice of how I will be defined. This is why Jesus came. As he describes the process of the new birth and he describes what it means to be born again, he is revealing to Nicodemus and to us this morning, I have not come to be a good teacher. I have not come to be a moral leader. I have come to save dead people and make them alive. This is the mission and the ministry and the message of Jesus Christ. Why must you be born again? What does it mean to be born again? And third and lastly, how in the world can this be possible? How can one be born again? Well, think about your birth. You were there, but did you have anything to do with it? Did you contribute in any way to your first birth? Of course not. And just as you contributed nothing to your first birth, you contribute nothing to your second birth. It is the supernatural work of God through the Holy Spirit. Remember, you're not sick. You're dead. And then made alive by the supernatural grace of God. But Jesus, thankfully, gives us an illustration of how this actually takes place. How can dead people be made alive? Well, in verses 14 through 15, Jesus shares the most peculiar story with us. He says in verse 14, this is how it works. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. Thanks, Jesus. What in the world is he talking about? Well, if you're new to Christianity, there's a story in Numbers chapter 21. The Israelites are grumbling in the wilderness and God sends fiery serpents. And, but God then goes to Moses and says, Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take an image of the serpent a bronze serpent, stick it on a pole, lift it up, and tell the Israelites if they look on the serpent, they will live. What? Can't make this up. Read it for yourself tonight in Numbers 21. But then Jesus goes a step further and he says, just as that happened in the wilderness, so I will be lifted up as well, which he's obviously referring to his crucifixion. But Jesus, how in the world are you like the serpent lifted up in the desert? Well, Genesis chapter three. Remember at the fall of humanity, the serpent brings sin and death into the world, but God makes a promise. He says to the serpent, one day we're gonna get you. One day, I am going to send one into this world, the seed of the woman that will crush the head of the serpent. And so what Moses is doing is brilliant. And the story of Moses is brilliant. What is happening here is the Israelites are looking and saying, one day the serpent will be crushed. One day, one will be lifted up on the pole and lifted up that will crush the head of the serpent, that will crush the one that has brought sin and darkness and curse into this world. And lo and behold, it is Jesus Christ, the great serpent crusher. Jesus is saying, I'm the one that will be lifted up, that will crush the head of the serpent. But I think what makes this illustration so profound is that Jesus says, I will become like the serpent. What? He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, what Jesus is revealing is that the only way that you can be born again is through the sacrificial, counterintuitive, 
unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying the only way you can be born again is by looking to the one who took on the venom of the serpent, look to the one who became sin so that you might become the righteousness of Christ. Jesus is saying you are born again through my pain, my labor, my death, through my sacrificial love. And the hardest thing for you to believe is that you simply have to look. Jesus says, look and believe. He doesn't say climb up the pole, touch the serpent, first one to the top wins. That'd be much easier. Just work for it and you'll be saved. Jesus says the hardest thing is to simply stop. Stop looking at yourself and to look out, to look up, and to believe. How are you born again? By looking up to the one who is lifted up for you and for me. But the story kind of leaves us hanging. If you're familiar with John chapter 3, Nicodemus quickly becomes an afterthought. You wonder, did he become born again? What happened to Nicodemus? Well, we don't find out what happened to Nicodemus till the very end of the Gospel of John. In John chapter 19, after the crucifixion, there's a dead body that needs to be recovered. And there are two men that go to recover the body. Who's one? Nicodemus. Holding the dead body of Jesus Christ. How is this possible? How would Nicodemus risk his social, political, and religious career to hold a dead body like this, there's only one explanation. Nicodemus was born again. How about you? I think today is a perfect day to be born again. I think today is a perfect day for some of you to stop looking in for the solution, stop looking to your own righteousness and your own work, and today is the perfect day to look out to look up and believe. Many say, I'm a Christian, but not one of those born-again Christian. I'm here to, today to tell you that there is no such thing. You are either born again or you are not. Look up and believe. A few years ago, I was speaking to a man that was getting close to the end of his life. And he said, preach, I'm not afraid to die. I've embraced it. After all, I've lived a great life and I've done the best I could. And I think he was quite surprised by my reaction. I said, stop. You're gonna stand before God and say, I did the best I could? You're gonna have the audacity to stand before God and say, here's my resume stamped on top. Here I am. I did the best I could. No, it's not about doing the best you can. It's about looking to the one who was perfect on your behalf. It's about living your life on the firm foundation that Jesus has the perfect resume and by faith alone that is transferred to you so that when you stand before God one day, you don't dare say, I did the best I could. You say, I've been born again. And I now live according to the perfect resume and the perfect righteousness of my Savior. Jesus' righteousness, Jesus' good work for you, living on that firm foundation that he was perfect on your behalf. You often hear people say, there just has to be more to life than this. 
I'm here today to tell you there is. You can be born again. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, this morning, there are people in this room and people watching at home that need to be born again. There are people that need to transfer their trust from themselves and their righteousness and their goodness and transfer their trust to the only righteousness and goodness that matters, the righteousness of Jesus. May there be orphans that come home today and transfer their trust in such a way that they stop believing in themselves and they look up and they look out to the cross. They look to the one who was lifted up as the serpent was exalted in the wilderness, so Jesus was exalted for our transgressions. But he was exalted as the one who became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. If you're here this morning, you can simply pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me. I no longer want to live life without you. Come into my life as my Lord and as my Savior. I look to you today. I look upon Jesus for the first time this morning because it's there that I find life. I place my faith and my hope and my trust in you, the one who died in my place on the cross. I want to live with the hope of heaven both now and forevermore. And I want to be able to stand before God one day with the confidence that Jesus' perfect record has been imputed to me by faith so that I know the only reason that I qualify to enter into heaven is because I have been born again. May that be the prayer of many this morning as they go from death into life, experience regeneration, and experience the new birth that is only possible through Jesus and Jesus alone. We pray all these things in the matchless name of the one who saves. Amen.